This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. I'm Sam Show on the Grueling Truth Sports Network. My name is Sam McGinnis, one of your co-hosts for the Sam and Sam Show. <laughs> I'm not messing it up this time. Uh, I'd like to welcome on my other co-host, Sam Teets. How you doing? I'm doing great, McGinnis. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I, I wasn't going to forget yet again to do that correctly. So, uh, but we, we got another great show lined up for you today. Very similar to last week's show. I actually think uh, our QB ra- uh, grades show last uh, week was probably our best show so far. We're hitting you with some more of those this week. We're finishing up with the rest of the AFC QBs, uh, including your Joe Burrow. Uh, and then we're moving on to some NFL news. We're doing some NBA news. We're finishing up our series on NHL uh, NHL divisions, the new alignment, uh, and then we're going to finish it off with thinking or dreaming. What are we going to do for NHL news when you're done with this division alignment series? Because you got to figure out something new to do for the NHL. Yeah, I will. It, it was very interesting when they started coming out with these new divisions. I was like, why are we doing this? And then they were like, well, Canada's being Canada, and then also at less COVID risk. And I'm like, it, it's nice just to mix it up a little bit, but at the same time, it's a little frustrating to not be back to normal with how everything is arranged yet. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But, you know, it's it's a year. You get to experiment, see how it goes, try to make the best of it. All right. Do we want to move right into our QB grades? Yeah, I think so. And our first quarterback we're going to talk about is Tua Tagovailoa. And you and I had a little bit of a different opinion, probably one of our more, I guess you could say, broad difference of opinion in this case. Two obviously rookie quarterback taken by the Miami Dolphins, fifth overall. Alabama, where he was at one point viewed to be at a number one overall pick. He's played five games. And I got him a full grade lower than you do. I got yeah. him. So I, I want to run you through the logic of why I have him so high. Part of it is he's a rookie. Uh, part of it is the fact that through all the games he's played, you realize he still has not thrown an interception. I think for being a rookie, he deserves an A. Typically, you might have him a little lower than this, but for a rookie, I think an A is de- deserving here. That's true, but he did get pulled from that Denver Broncos team. He got benched at one point because of how bad he's playing. So there's a little bit of that. That's why I have him as a B. He has yeah. not come out and lit it up necessarily. He's got seven touchdowns in, I believe, five starts at this point. He's four and one as a starter. So it's not bad. But when you consider the fact that Drew Locke looked, I mean, Drew Locke had pretty good numbers too last year when he was like four and one in the starter. And look how that's worked out. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. But <laughs> Drew Locke, yeah. Okay. Have a five game, a little five game stretch here as a rookie. It may look good. But to me, you can't base a huge grade like an A on that. So I'm giving him a B. I think you can make an argument for a B minus, honestly, based on how he played in Denver when he got pulled that one time. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I'm just, again, it's, it's based on the fact that he's a rookie. I think he's done outstanding, especially for coming in a replacement through part of the season. You haven't even been the starter the whole year. So you're kind of thrown in there. But we go on talking about Tua, talking about, I guess, guys who considered his mentor, the guy who was benched for him, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and our Miami Dolphins quarterback. And this is a guy who has been around the league for quite a while at this point. Yeah. I feel like he's played in almost half the teams in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Also, I he's, he's an anomaly in and of itself. He is probably the best backup quarterback in the league, and I think he'll be remembered for that because it's just weird. You'll get these short stretches of magic, but then when you try and actually make him the starter, it's like, oh, I think I'll throw five interceptions in a game now, and then it just doesn't work out. So he's probably, I would say, the best short-term quarterback. Like if the Saints had him over there when they're getting these Drew Brees injuries all the time, he would be perfect for that situation. No, I agree. If you, if you need to play anywhere between like three to five games in a season, you absolutely want Ryan Fitzpatrick to be a guy. Even more so than someone like Nick Foles, I think Fitzpatrick's perfect fit for three to five games, which is why I'm curious. Why did you give him a B-plus grade? I personally thought – I so I understand some of the criticism here, but again, for what he is – a B plus. This is again putting into situationally what you are. 
And I think for that, he I, I may have graded him a little high. Maybe a B is more accurate. But I think a B-plus is fair considering what he is. I will say I gave him a B-minus. His stats don't necessarily tell the tale of what he's done for the Miami Dolphins this year. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, so not great there. But he's completing about 68.5% of his passes. He's 4-3 as a start. It feels like he's played better than he actually has this year. I don't know why. But I think originally when I saw his name, I was going to give him a B, but I went back and looked at some of the stuff he's done this year. I think a B-minus is a little more accurate there. He has not been great. But you know what? The Dolphins are in playoff positioning, and he certainly deserves a lot of credit for that. Because this year was started off by Ron Fitzpatrick, not Tua Tagovailoa. So you give him a little credit there for that. Yeah, I mean, if they had if they had started with neither of those, they might be in a far worse position than they are right now. So some credit is deserved to both Tua and Fitzpatrick here. All right, moving on from Miami to a division rival, New England Patriots and Cam Newton. Now, this is very interesting. This is very interesting. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is very interesting. I don't know what else. I've been, if Mike sees this grade from me, he's not going to be very happy because he will defend. Like he's not a huge Cam Newton fan, but he will defend how Cam Newton has played this year based on the fact that the Patriots are winning games. But I think you and I both agree here. Cam Newton has looked really bad this year. He just threw an interception on a screen pass last night. If that's going to happen, just take the sack, throw it away. Don't try to throw something like that and turn it into a pick. He's been bad. He hasn't thrown for over 150 yards since week 11, and he's just had a terrible season. This, to me, is ruining his career. He's got five touchdowns, passing to 10 interceptions. I don't think there's a chance Cam Newton is a starter in the NFL next year. I think uh, one thing that is a little not noted is that he has uh, currently leading the league in rushing touchdowns, I believe is what I saw today. So the, he has something going. But when it comes to actually being a passer, yeah, he's he's pretty much been in the toilet, which is unfortunate because he did put in a lot of work in the offseason. He tried to kind of revive his career after some injuries, but it really hasn't worked out much. Well, the, the injuries you bring, I think that's a huge part of it because it's like the shoulder, it's the back, I think it's maybe the chest as well, the ribs. You get that upper body injuries for a quarterback. That can be your career right there. I think that's really what's affected Newton. His legs, to be fair, his legs have actually been pretty healthy, all things considered, all the running he's done at the time. He's slowed down a little bit, though. He's not nearly as fast, obviously, as he was when he came into the league at this point. And you're right. He, he has 11 touchdowns right now. I would assume that's 11 rushing touchdowns. I would assume that's leading the NFL. But even if you add that together with his passing touchdowns, it's only 16 on the year to 10 interceptions. I think he's got – I'm looking for his fumbles right now. Uh, he's lost – He's only actually lost one fumble. That's pretty good, all things considered. But so it's it's eleven turnovers to sixteen touchdowns. That to me is not a very good ratio. I will yeah. stick with a D minus. You'll stick with a D here. So we obviously are not very impressed with Cam Newton this year. Yeah, not at all. Now, do consider what he has to work with, but he does also have Bill Belichick, and I think Bill Belichick is trying to use Cam as best he can. And I think a lot of the reason the Patriots are even have the record they do is as a result of Bill Belichick, so hats off to him. But, yeah, Cam Newton is just in an unfortunate situation. He hasn't helped himself out, and then the injuries have not helped either. Yeah, it's different. He is not actually in the NFL in touchdowns, run rushing touchdowns. He is tied for third. He's behind Dalvin Cook, who has 13, Derek Henry, who has 12, and that's 11 with Cam Newton and Antonio Gibson. So he's, he's certainly up there, though. I give him credit for that. And I think part of that is the, the way they've schemed offensively for Cam Newton. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are looking to make him run the ball more. They're trying to not throw as much because he's more limited as a passer. But also, he doesn't have a lot of weapons. So I do admit, not all of this is on Cam Newton. My issue is that we saw guys, we've seen guys like Tom Brady, and at times maybe even Ben Roethlisberger, even guys like maybe Phil Rivers. I don't know. Some guys like those play with limited weapons to no weapons whatsoever. And make something out of, I mean, not make something out of nothing. Even look at Carson Wentz last year, they had Greg Ward as his leading receiver. We've seen guys perform well with very few options. Cam Newton is just performing poorly, even though he has no options. I admit that, but he's also performing poorly and not making the best out of the situations. Well, yeah, and this is this is where you get into a little bit of the Josh Rosen versus Kyler Murray thing, and I think that's a good example of what you're talking about because Josh Rosen did terrible with terrible. Kyler Murray took it to the next level, even with not having quite as much. Now he has received, he certainly has received some weapons. I, I will admit this. That's but, true. But Kyler Murray is also a good quarterback and Josh Rosen is probably a practice squad guy at best. So it's a little, there's a very different skill level there, but I think if you compare Tom Brady at this point to Cam Newton as well, there's also a huge difference in skill at this point based on where they are in their careers. But on to the next quarterback, this one was a pretty easy decision for both of us. It's Patrick Mahomes. McGinnis, yeah. you want to say what the grade was for him? 
Uh, yeah, if you're not giving them an A+, plus, you've clearly made a mistake. I think the touchdown-to-interception ratio being something around 15-1 to 1 is absolutely absurd. Um, no, Nobody does that. Not even Tom Brady in his prime was doing that. So, I... It, like a 15 to one ratio is insane. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes at the end of this, and, and I kind of saw this a little bit earlier on. If you start looking at some of the records he's breaking, I don't think it's at all unrealistic to think he has got a shot to be the greatest quarterback that ever played. Well, the greatest quarterback that ever plays, it's always a stretch when you're this young because you could have something like what happened to Kurt Warner happen where you win two MVPs, but then you basically have six or four years where you're just an average quarterback, you're going all around the leagues. Kurt Warner. People forget, after like the four or five really good years with the Rams, he was basically a nobody. He was basically a German back, like what Ryan Fitzpatrick is right now for a couple of years before getting to Arizona and then going to the Super Bowl and losing to Pittsburgh. So you, you could always have that guy who looks like he's going to be the next great thing, and something just happens that throws off his career tra trajectory entirely. So it's not unheard of for something like that to happen. Although I would agree that Patrick Mahomes is off to one of the hottest starts in NFL history. And I think when all is said and done, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. If he keeps his pace up, assuming nothing bad happens, I would think he ends up a top 10 quarterback. And I think he'll be the MVP of the league this year. It's, it's close between him and Rodgers, but I would take Patrick Holmes in this race. And I think he's well-deserving of an A-plus here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we go from the best quarterback in the league to one of the worst. Drew if, Locke. If, if not, probably you're looking at like a bottom three, bottom five guy right there. Yeah, if we're talking about entirely based on the season, I think Drew Locke is bottom five. Although we do have a bunch of back quarterbacks who have played this year, so I don't know if you can really say that, but Drew Locke is having a terrible year. Bottom five for a consistent starter, I would say. Yeah. If you're yeah, going to go on for those And I give it an F, you gave it an F. I think we both gave – who did we give an F to last week? Was it Carson Wentz? I can't – I might you, give it You gave an F. I gave like a D minus F. I was like right on the border of – absolute destruction and you were just like Pfft. yeah just, i might have just been i might have just been a little harsh there but yeah drew lock to me yeah. drew lock is worse than carson Wentz. i would much rather have carson Wentz during a bad year and have drew lock right now because drew lock has 13 interceptions to nine touchdowns he's completing 55.4 percent of his pass attempts a 67.1 quarterback rate rating this guy's just not the answer in denver nope uh i'm sorry when you see flashes it's nice but the 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 flame has blown out it's dead it's not coming back on find a new quarterback and again now you're it's almost like the browns at this point with the number of quarterbacks they've gone through in the past few years since like not having peyton manning anymore it's embarrassing for that organization i think well no you're you're right actually I mean, even going back to before peyton Manning, you had kyle orton and tim tebow then you had peyton manning who brought some stability but it was like Brock Osweiler, then it was Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon, and now it's Drew Locke. I mean, there's so many names you can just add to that list, and you're right. It is never, becoming a little bit embarrassing. Never forget Brock Osweiler. Oh, that that's always Dude, funny. That man made so much money off the deal he went to Houston for to like play like eight games before getting benched. Oh goodness. But I mean, we're we're not hopeful for Drew Locke, but I am hopeful for the next quarterback on this list. It's Justin Herbert. Yeah, you and I have roughly the same grade here. I know Mike. If Mike's listening, Mike does not like Justin Herbert that much. He admits he's he's outperformed his expectations, but Mike did not like Herbert coming into the league. Neither did I. I've done a full 180. I really like Herbert now. Mike is still not very optimistic. He thinks he's going to be like a front runner, not going to be a great quarterback in the future. I think Herbert could be a top 10 guy for the rest of his career, for the majority of his career. Here, I think he's that good. I give him a B plus. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm right there with you, BB plus somewhere in there. And I think when we were on the NFL show, you guys were a little too hard. You made it seem like he was just getting worse every week. He had two bad weeks. The week before those two, he threw for three touchdowns, something like that. So my my thing is here, just because a guy, especially a rookie, has a couple of bad weeks, doesn't mean all of a sudden he's declining into a big crash and burn. It just means he had a couple bad weeks. That's what rookies do usually. And I think Justin Herbert is very good. And honestly, now that, uh, unfortunately, Joe Burrow is not a part of the race anymore, Justin Herbert has a has a serious chance here to win that rookie of the year. Yeah, it's probably going to be him or Justin Jefferson, the receiver from Minnesota. And to be fair, Mike Mike will grade, give Tua a high grade, but then he'll turn around and give Herbert a lower grade, even though Tua literally got pulled from a game because he wasn't able to throw for 100 yards in the full four quarters. 
versus Justin Herbert, who, I mean, he had a bad game against New England, but he at least threw for 200, over 200 yards. So to me, you know, there's got to be some little more level of quality there when you're agreeing these two guys. They've made mistakes, obviously, but they're rookie quarterbacks. One was going up against the Denver Broncos. The other one was going up against the greatest head coach of all time, a great defensive mind, Bill Belichick, who is, I mean, he's made a career out of embarrassing rookies. So to me, Herbert having one really bad game against the Patriots, that's kind of understandable. I wouldn't uh, fully blame him for that. And he is on pace to shatter to the rookie record for passing touchdowns. Baker Mayfield said that a couple years ago at 27. Herbert already has 23, five games left. Well, actually, I think for him, just three games left, I'm pretty sure. It looks like he could get there. Actually, sorry, I said three. It's really four games left. It looks like he could get there. I think he's going to break that record. And Herbert, to me, I, he's set up to be a future kind guy who's going to get an A in these kind of situations. But for now, a B-plus because he does have some of those rookie mistakes. Yeah, just just early on in his career, he'll get there. All right, on to another guy who's really late in his career, talking about Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have given him a higher grade than I have. Yeah, I was about to say, both in our quarterback rankings and in our gradings now, uh, I have given him higher. And the funny part is the, the difference here is unlike... As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Justin Herbert. Mike would actually like it here if I gave Ben Roethlisberger an A minus. He thought my grade was uh, or my rank was closer on the uh, on the top ten list. I don't think I could put him at six, but uh, I, I put him at eight, and I think an A minus here is deserving. He's done really well uh, in coming again coming off of last year or the year before the injuries, and then being able to do this. I, I think he's done a very exceptional job. Not Patrick Mahomes level. But definitely, at the very least, I don't think you can really bang on him too much this year. All right, I'll say this. Mike comes out and says that Ben Roethlisberger should be an MVP candidate. Which and is he'll ridiculous. Around, then he'll turn around <laughs> like I he just, did in today's show. Yeah, <laughs> but then he'll turn around like you did in today's show and say, you want to know why they haven't thrown the ball 20 yards downfield in the past three games? That's because Ben's old and his arm is tired. He can't throw the ball downfield. So how are you going to have it so that he's supposed to be an MVP candidate? And we did that show when it was like Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was. One day you're going to say he's going to be an MVP candidate. The next day you turn around and say he can't throw the ball downfield because he's old. You can't be both of those guys. So to me, the idea, he was the idea that he was ever an MVP candidate, it was just ridiculous. I mean, that was absolutely ludicrous. It was. I, I was just thinking Drew Brees in correlation there. Like you could have yeah. Drew Brees as an MVP candidate some years, and hit, but his arm's still not throwing quite as far so i can i might be able to see it but at the same time yeah it's just generally ridiculous that ben roethlisberger could even be mentioned in that list well yeah but drew Brees is also like in a super efficient offense the ben does not have that in pittsburgh right now granted he does have 27 touchdowns already which is really good for him i think his career high looking down the list i think it's 34 so he's potentially on pace to break that career high for passing touchdowns it'd be really nice for him at the end of this, his career but i don't see this this not MVP caliber player this is no. a guy who at points has held the offense back, even though he really is the offense, so you can't really mock him too much for that. They don't have much around him to support him that way. But I still think putting him at an A level to me is a little ridiculous because A is reserved for guys who are like close to MVP caliber status. I don't think Ben is that, so I'm giving him a B plus. Yeah. It depends on what uh your what you see as an A minus versus a B plus. And this is kind of where we get into last week where you're being harsh on everybody. <laughs> Well, it happens. It happens. But speaking of being harsh, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow here. And this is a guy who I think he's very good. I mean, he has a higher ceiling than someone like Justin Herbert, obviously. He's a higher ceiling yeah. than someone like he'll, Tua Tagovailoa. He'll be a better quarterback if they get an O-line and he doesn't die like Andrew Luck did. Because Andrew Luck, like I could see it ending up that way if Joe Burrow kind of gets the mentality in the end like Andrew Luck does, which would be horrible. Someone please save his butt. Or even like a Carson Palmer. If you don't know what Carson Palmer happened with him, basically he did not get enough weapons in Cincinnati. And he was arguing with the front office. They weren't giving him what he needed to survive, basically. And he kind of bailed on the team. They kind of parted sure ways. Did. But he was also he's also dealing with a lot of injuries because he got beat up so much. 
in Cincinnati. I could see Burrow potentially following a similar route. Not that those two are equal. I think that Burrow is a potentially superior prospect, a superior prospect than Carson Palmer. I think he'll be better if he has the opportunity to be. But let's not overreact here. His potential is incredibly high. His production this season was meh. I mean, if I'm giving if I'm giving Justin Herbert a B plus, I'm giving Joe Burrow a B plus. And you'll say, oh, well, he was working with less. Well, let's hold up there. That Chargers offensive line is also very horrible. And it's not like let's not act like he didn't have Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard and AJ Green and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. He has what he's Hold up, hold up. I just on a side note to that, AJ Green did not do much this season of any number. Yeah, I know. I really, I really shouldn't. You're just throwing out names at this point. Yeah, I know. I really shouldn't have said his name first, but let's be honest. They have. They're more similar than people will lead you to believe. The Chargers do have more supporting cats, more, more supporting weapons there than Joe, Joe Burrow has in Cincinnati. But 13 touchdowns, 15, uh, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions, completed 65.3 percent of his passes, 89.8 passer rating. Look, you can't blame Cincinnati's O line for everything here. He was not fantastic as a rookie. He wasn't. He was at this point about what we would expect from a rookie quarterback who's starting immediately. He was mediocre. He was average, middle of the pack for a rookie mm, starting quarterback. Okay, I think I think you're again being a little. Little too harsh there. I think he did pretty well considering he was a rookie. Um, and that's a two and a half ish uh, touchdown to interception there. The completion percentage is above average from what last year's was at 61, I believe. Um, the passer rating is really probably my biggest concern out of those because the passer rating is, is below average. But I do think you're being probably too harsh. And although the O line isn't everything, you can't really do much of anything without no line. You can't run without no line. You can't pass as efficiently without no line. O line really, I think, sets a tone for a lot of what the offense is. So just keeping those things in mind in this, and we're we're around the same spot. I was B plus A minus. I was on the border of those two. You're at B plus. It's not really that much of an issue. Yeah, it's not a huge difference. But I will say he was only pacing twenty passing touchdowns this year. Let's not act like that was something super special. It really isn't, especially when you consider the fact that Kyler Murray had twenty two passing touchdowns last year. Actually, no, he just had 20 passing touchdowns last year, and that's a quarterback primarily known for running. So let's not act like this is a super special season. It's basically what we had from Kyler Murray last year. So I don't want I don't want to hear Mike come out here and saying Joe Burrow should win rookie of the year despite missing six games. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Steve, it was, he knows he knows some of what he says is ridiculous. But oh, I, he think, does. I, know he does. I think part of that Cincinnati fan comes out in him so where he'll be it's it's funny, like it's not a Matthew Stafford situation yet, okay? Oh, no, it's, it's going to be a Matthew Stafford situation very soon. I can tell you that as someone <laughs> my entire life. Oh, get, but, get out while you can, dude. <laughs> but speaking of someone who might be in a Matthew Stafford situation, is Sean Watson playing for the Houston Texans? Yep. This is a very this is Speaking a very of offensive lines. No offensive line there. No <laughs> running game whatsoever. What is it offensive line? Your best receiver line? you traded away, and your second best receiver got to spend for PEDs. So congrats. Good luck. That's basically what Deshaun Watson said to deal with this year. And you gave him an A. Yeah, wow. I I, uh, I guess I missed the fact or forgot you gave him an A+. plus. But, yeah, I think, again, considering what he's working with, which is a whole lot of absolutely nothing, he's performing very well. I don't know why – I, I, I get it and I don't get it at the same time. You're taking a lot of money, but do you not see like the reality of the situation? Like, I don't know. Wouldn't you want to win? You, you've played so much at this point. You've gone through college. You've gone through high school. This is what you've been doing. Don't you want to win though? It's just you're kind of about, that thing for me where I'm like, I'm kind of missing this a little bit. Right, right. So you're talking about the contract size that Deshaun Watson took, right? Well, right, but like if you're gonna like, for instance, Matthew Stafford did this too. He had a big contract, uh, I, which was until they started paying QBs way more than they used to. Um, right, was the biggest there was at the time. But you're playing on the Lions. Like I, I, I don't quite understand. I get it, but I don't get it. Maybe because I just don't have that much money. <laughs> but well, well, the issue is that you've seen too many guys. I've seen too many guys who get hurt and never play football again. Like some like Ryan Shazier. Pittsburgh Steelers was going to be a first-team All-Pro the year. I think it was against the Cincinnati Bengals, where he goes and makes a hit, and he was always known for kind of leading with his head, to be fair. So it wasn't like this was totally unforeseeable. We no one expected him to ever be injured the way he was. 
And he ends up having that spinal cord injury where he can't walk normally for two years or something like that. He never plays football again. And he was on his rookie contract, so he was not going to make – I mean, he made the money from his rookie deal, but he doesn't make anything after that. There was no second contract, which, you know, is when you get – when you really get paid. You really get paid in your second contract. And there was no second contract for a Ryan Chase here. So if you're Deshaun Watson, the guy playing behind a horrible offensive line, and a guy who's not guaranteed to – I mean, you might, get, you might get franchise tag if you try to leave. So let's put it this way. You want to sign that contract to get the guaranteed money to secure yourself and your family for the next generation pretty much. That's why you do this is because you're looking forward, not necessarily just for a football aspect, but from a life aspect. But I do agree with you. If you well, if you right. have that financial stability, you're still going you go to go to the winning team. If, if you can find a way to leave the organization and you're a talent like Deshaun Watson, it's not like you're not going to get paid somewhere else. That's true. But also, there's also some like loyalty there because like you think about it, you've lived there for what three or four years now. All your friends are there, all your family there, your coworkers, people you see every day, they're there, and really everywhere you know is in Houston at this point. I mean, you might know people right. in Clemson as well, but there's no football team in Clemson to go back to, so it's like you're kind of thinking about it. it's this is where your life is, and if you want to change teams, that's a huge life decision that maybe you don't necessarily make because of football reasons. So I think that's possibly one of the reasons why. He decides to stick around in Houston. Yeah. Varying debates there. Interesting contract stuff. But let's get to the next quarterback. We've been on this for a little while. Yeah. So the next quarterback is someone who will probably be changing teams very soon, just for his own sanity. Uh, Gardner Minshew. So Minshew hasn't played in a little while. He hasn't played since week seven, although he desperately wants to play. Uh, the rumors are coming out of Jackson, but he is trying to get as healthy as possible. He wants to finish. He wants to finish the season. He wants to be the star for Jacksonville again. And if he was healthy, I would say they would start him, Jackson would start him immediately because he is the best quarterback on that roster. I think there's a chance that he goes around and becomes a potentially kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick type player because he has some had some success. Although I think this year has not been that great for him. Yeah, I was about to say I I think one of the best um, comparisons is him and Ryan Fitzpatrick because you'll get those spurts of greatness and then garbage. So it's kind of an interesting thing there. If he can somehow figure out to be figure out how to be consistent, and I think I, I was a little generous here, but I, if he figures out how to be consistent, he could be a solid quarterback. That's just the piece missing, I think. You know, I think I was a little harsh here. Honestly, I would give him a B or B minus if I could look back and redo this grade. I think a C plus is a little harsh because he's working with Jacksonville, bad offensive line, <laughs> yeah. not, not a ton of weapons. If it's, if you're working with Jacksonville, let's start off and leave it at that. But. <laughs> Yeah, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions, 94.4 quarterback uh, passer, passer rating. So I think it's a pretty solid year from Gardner Minshew. I think his rookie year was much better to me. And just looking back at what he accomplished, especially considering it was still the Jacksonville Jaguars, still not a very good team. I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he will have a chance to start somewhere else, but I don't think it's going to happen next year because there's such an influx. There's going to be four, at least four rookie quarterbacks taking in the first round this coming year. Think about it, it's four jobs off the market. So Minshew will probably be a backup somewhere next year. But I think he will get another shot at starting job later in his career. Well, and even if you look at some of those uh, quarterback situations that are iffy, you could have a situation where he does act a lot like Fitzpatrick, where he gets a chance like four or five games in after the starting quarterback gets injured or is doing horribly. He might have a chance to to prove himself then too. But that might also add a little bit to the Ryan Fitzpatrick stigma there. All right, we're talking about one more Jacksonville quarterback. This one who has performed a little bit worse. Mike a long time back. <laughs> Mike Glennon. I mean, what do we really say here? He started the last two games for Jacksonville. Obviously, he came in replacing Gardner Minshew and replacing Jake Luton because, I mean, the Jaguars needed someone to play quarterback. And Mike Glennon, he actually looked really good this first week. Had a 96.7 passer rating, but after that, it kind of fell apart. And had two, I think, two pat two interceptions and a fumble loss his previous game against the Minnesota Vikings. So for me, I'm giving him a D just because the one hot week won't save you. I know what Mike Lennon is. He's a D. Mike Lennon is not a starting. Yeah, we talked about uh Baker Mayfield being serviceable. Mike Lennon is like one or two tiers below that, where it's not even like an acceptable NFL level of quarterback play. No, you don't want him to be a star. You don't want him to see the field. I mean, for a bad quarterback. Is he the worst? No, he's not. He's not the worst back quarterback. He, I'd much rather have him than Mason Rudolph on my team, to be fair. Mason Rudolph is the back <laughs> quarterback in Pittsburgh. Dude, but, that was uh, – watching that year was was 
interesting as a Steelers fan. You got to watch your coach basically carry the team, that and the defense, carry the if team I, to any sort of success. If I'm being absolutely honest, I zoned out when we got the ball on offense. I just I – just, because I was watching defense. I love watching defensive teams. So, to me, I was like – when the, we got on offense, we got the ball. I was like, ah, I don't care about this. I know what's going to happen. We're going to punt the ball away in a couple of plays. So, I would just stop watching the offense. And I'd just like – I'd be on my computer or something like that. And then we would punt the ball away. And I'd turn back around and I'd start watching the game again because it was fun to watch the defense play. We were more likely to score on defense than we were with our offense. So, it's like – I think Mike Warren would be better – Missing his own teammate, his his own team, and, and Mason Rudolph straight up inciting Miles Garrett. Not commending what he did, but I will say Mason Rudolph totally incited that. Oh, fight. Mason Rudolph absolutely, Mason Rudolph absolutely <laughs> started that. But there was no reason to go hit him in the head with the helmet. Oh, absolutely not. Honestly, I don't. I feel like it should have been harsher. The the, the penalty yeah, I think he, hitting somebody in the head with a helmet. He got like a six-game suspension. He basically missed the rest of the year. Was like come back. I would have fined him a little more, and I would have suspended him a little more. But I mean, he's a really good player, though. Like if this was, if this was a that's a stupid string, excuse, though. Yeah, it is. But if this was a second-string defensive end, he'd be out of the NFL. It's so, it's Miles Garrett. So he's going to be a future defensive player of the year. Here's my thing with that: if you're truly going to judge based on how good a player is, and I think we've seen this somewhat with Antonio Brown. That's just unacceptable. You're judging a person's character. That's completely different. It should, despite the fact that it does in the NFL's world, it should have nothing to do with how they suspend you. Absolutely not. If a second string backup wouldn't be in the NFL if he did that, neither should Miles Garrett. I absolutely agree. But you look at guys like uh, like a Randy Cunningham is perfect. I mean, these guys who have committed mistakes in the past, and these are guys who got. No, not Randy Gregory. I'm sorry. I'm thinking Greg Hardy. That's who I meant to say. Uh, these are guys who have made mistakes in the past, severe mistakes, and still gotten second chances or contracted with new teams. They've gotten these opportunities that they shouldn't have gotten maybe based on their play on the field or what they've done off the field. But talent gives you second and sometimes third, in the case of Antonio Brown, maybe fourth chances. Well, chase chances. <laughs> who knows when that time will run out. But yeah. You know, it's just how it is. There's nothing we can do about it right now. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Just kind of roll with it. Sorry, I, I do want to preach there for a minute. Yeah, it's, no, we have to bring it. Up. I, it's a prior point. We have to bring that up, but it's just not how it can happen. It's just not how yeah. it works in practice. But we do have some NFL news to talk about. Bill Belichick is still backing Cam Newton despite a tough outing against the Rams. I already mentioned that failed screen pass that turned into to a pick six for the Rams. That was a tough loss. The Patriots are not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet, but I mean they're basically eliminated from the playoffs. Let's be real. And then. Some injury updates. Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, and Julio Jones are all out this weekend. So some superstars being sidelined by injuries. That's never a good thing. And then Jalen Hurts will start for the Philadelphia Eagles in place of Carson Wentz against Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints. So with that, I think we talked about this is both something I want to see, but also something that you're killing Carson Wentz even more that he's he's dead, but you just lit you just lit him on fire. Like just in case you weren't dead, let's kill you. Is what, is what they just did. Because his his mind is already in a poor place. He's got the stress of a backup QB now taking his spot. He doesn't know if he's going to be like, he'll probably get a starting chance somewhere, maybe. But you've, you've kind of wrecked his brain now because now it actually feels like you suck. Oh, yeah. He absolutely will gain our starting chance. I saw uh, 
rumors that teams would trade still trade first round picks to get Carson Wentz because he has a lot of potential. He proved the past three or four years. So Carson Wentz is still going to get. He's still going to be starting next year. It's got to be, especially with the contract he has. My thing is, I mean, really, Galen Hurst is set to fail here. He's going up against the hottest defense in the NFL with a great pass rush or a great secondary. Is there any way? And think about this. you're a rookie quarterback. This is your first career start. You're playing Play the New Orleans Saints. Thing. Yeah, you're set up to fail. Oh. He's gonna he's gonna fail. He's gonna get benched after a week. Like we're literally gonna see Jalen Hurts go in. We might see Carson Wentz by the end of the game. That's how bad this is gonna be. See, we said the same thing about Taysom Hill, though. That's true. We said something about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. We did say that. But I will Payton, say though, Jameis Winston is more of a starting quarterback than Taysom Hill is, though. But Sean Payton really believed in Taysom Hill. If Doug Peterson really believed in Jalen Hurts, he would have played him earlier this year. Oof. Oof. How, Oof. how, how about having the addition? Not only are you set up to fail in the fact that you have to play the Saints, but your coach doesn't trust you either. <laughs> I mean, you're a rookie quarterback who he probably didn't want to draft. So obviously, yeah, he, there's a little bit of trust issue there, which is just why I think Doug Peterson's probably going to be gone in Philadelphia after this year. Yeah. Now we move on to thinking or dreaming. I know we usually do this at the end, but we're going to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, we are. Who wants to go first? Should I go first or should you? I think you went first last time, so I'll go first this time. All right. I got some interesting ones for you today. Joe Burrow will win an MVP one day at some point during his career, whether he's on the Bengals or another team. See, I will fully admit that Joe Burrow, along with Andrew Luck, are probably the best quarterback prospects in the past 20 years. Here's my concern. I don't know if my – it's not a dislike for Joe for Joe Burrow. I don't know if it's my hesitation to crown Joe Burrow next for anything. It's just because Mike likes him and I don't want to like him because Mike likes him. <laughs> That's a fair honest, reason, though. Or if it's an honest like honest opinion. I can't tell which one it is at this point. It might be a combination. Of opinion and that I think – we look at – Joe Burrow's had a good rookie year. We got the injury. You got the team he's playing with. I don't trust the team to support him. So yeah, you're like absolutely. MVP is not just your personal play, but you have to work consider the team around you. Doesn't have an offensive line, not doesn't have a well coached team, doesn't really have a great coaching staff around him. Receiver options. I mean, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd are good, but they're not superstars in their sense. Joe Mix has been hurt at running back. They don't really have a tight end. The defense isn't that great. The defense, besides me, two or three guys, needs totally remodeling. So to me, the idea that Joe Burrow is going to win an MVP, it's not going to happen in five years. It's going to happen maybe in like seven, eight, nine years down the road. Well, I'll say no. Yeah. Just because, the, I mean, there's so few people, people end up actually winning MVPs. I'm just going to say no, bet against him, especially because he has to share an era with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson is going to be around for a few more years. I just don't find it likely that Joe Burrow is going to win an MVP in this whole mess. Well, and how many of these teams, because I'll uh, give you the MVPs of the last, let's say, five years back to, or back to Aaron Rodgers 2014. How many of these teams were bad? Uh, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, Tom Brady, New England Patriots, Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons. That year they went 10-6. and six. Uh, Cam Newton, Carolina Panthers, who went 15-1, and one, and then back to Aaron Rodgers, uh, Peyton, Man- uh, Peyton Manning in 2013. Like, none of these teams are poor. I mean, you have to consider that, that Peyton Manning has like five MVPs and Tom Brady has like three or something like that. And that makes, makes the majority from the past – Two decades or so. So, yeah, I consider who's been winning the MVPs. And it, granted, it is a quarterback's league. Quarterbacks generally win the most MVPs by far. My issue is that, look at it. Mike will say, well, Lamar Jackson won last year. And Joe Burrow's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but Lamar Jackson threw for the most touchdowns in the NFL with 36. And he ran in, like, what, 10 other ones? He had was the first quarterback since Michael Vick to – actually, the first quarterback ever to run for – to throw for 3,000 yards and run for 1,000. So unless Joe Burrow goes up there and starts doing something that's record-breaking or something that has never been seen before, the idea he's just going to win an MVP based on being Joe Burrow is a little bit far-fetched for me. Yeah. All right. Let's hear yours. All right. First one for you. Let me find it really quick. Oh, we're talking about MVPs. Patrick Mahomes won five MVPs during his career. For the record, Peyton Manning won five as well. This might be stretching it, but it's not. it's certainly not impossible. So I, this is one of those situations where it's not completely insane, and for that reason I have to go with thinking, but it isn't necessarily likely either. It's just because it's not outlandish or impossible to think that that, that, that could happen, especially being on the Kansas City Chiefs 
for the next 10 years. It's not at all improbable to think he'll win at least a couple more in there and then maybe potentially more after that. When you have to think, dude, he's in, what, year four in the NFL at this point? And he's probably going to win his second one this year. So he's off to a very hot pace. I think five is a stretch. I still think five is possible, though, based on how quickly he's starting. Although you could, like I said, have a Kurt Warner type situation where there's a dramatic drop off. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL. I think three, which is what Brett Favre and Tom Brady have, I think three is more likely. Three is a much safer number, but five is not out of the question for Patrick Mahomes. Right. And at that point, can you really call it dreaming? Like, it's hard to say it's thinking, but can you really call it dreaming with the level Patrick Mahomes? I don't think you can. I think Patrick Mahomes is that good. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to my second one then. Uh, LeBron James will be remembered as the best player to have ever played. This is tough because there's going to be varying opinions on this one, even outside of you. <laughs> you know what? It it really depends on who you ask. I'm going to say dreaming, not because it's impossible for him to surpass Michael Jordan, but because public perception will never allow him to surpass Michael Jordan. There is pe- There are people like Mike out there who live in the 80s and the 90s and the 70s or whatever and believe that those are the best years of all time, the best years of humanity, and that no one can ever surpass anything that was ever done in the 80s and 90s. So when you look at that, you have to wait for that. Maybe that group of people who will, I don't know, age out and you'll kind of get the young group to voice their opinions a little bit more in the media. Maybe it will shift to LeBron James eventually. But for now, I think the majority of people will still say Michael Jordan's going to be the greatest player of all time. Even if LeBron James wins six rings and has the same number of rings as Michael Jordan, I think people will still get the edge to Michael Jordan. And personally, I think I would too. And I'm a big LeBron James fan, but I think there's really no way from overtaking Michael Jordan in terms of public perception. I just think it's impossible based on like the the legacy of Michael Jordan is so hum- is so ginormous that like Tom Brady's legacy compared to Michael Jordan's is tiny. It's like not even close to MJ. So to me, Jordan is something that's maybe insurmountable at this point regardless of how much LeBron accomplishes. So if there was something that could do it, what would it be, though? What would it be? It would be LeBron, LeBron winning another MVP and then getting two or three more rings. I mean, if he, if he got seven rings and matched Jordan MVPs, he's a better passer than Jordan. He's a better rebounder than Jordan. Not as good of a man-to-man defender as Michael was, especially during his prime. Not as good as it scores Michael Jordan, better three-point shooter, though. So I think there, there's give and takes with both these guys. If he got seven rings and seven rings as a star player, not as like a backer ring like that, seven as a star, and Matt Jordan on the MVPs, I think then you can really have a conversation of putting it LeBron as the number one. Actually, Mike, Mike, this is how much of an 80s guy Mike is. Mike could pass the books Larry Bird as the greatest basketball player of all time in the 70s and 80s is right when about when Mike had his glory days, I guess. And that's about when Larry Bird was at his peak. Yeah, it's – he has some interesting views. (laughs) He really does. But I'll give you – I'll throw you one – I'll throw one back to you here so we can stop bashing Mike. Uh, Connor McDavid will win the Hart Memorial Trophy during the 2020-2021 NHL season. So here's the thing. Leon Dreisaitl won it this last year. Who's – Connor McDavid's teammate, by the way. <laughs> so Connor McDavid, before he uh, before he was out, for, or pardon me, this is not at all out of the question. Connor McDavid is a consistent uh, uh, Hart uh, Memorial Trophy guy, uh, or at least in the conversation consistently. He is widely considered to be the best uh, forward in the league, which isn't at all out of question either, though. I still think it's funny, his teammate, was the one that ended up winning that. But I think part of that had to do with the fact that he got injured. And I think before that, he may have been on pace to have won that anyway. So it was because of that that his teammate, who was also extraordinary at his position, was able to win that trophy. So I don't think this is out of the question. It kind of annoys me because there are other players uh, that I would prefer to have win to win this, but that's just personal preference. But yeah, this is, this, this is thinking. I don't see any person anywhere saying it can't be. How many Hart Memorial Trophies will he win in his career? I mean, he already has one, right? This is tough. I think right, I'll, I'll think give you a number. If three, can you get three? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. That that's one hundred percent achievable. Uh, it just depends if he keeps up um, with with the pace he's going right now. 
A lot of people call him Jesus, which kind of gives you a little bit of a perception as to how good he is. Um, he's one of, if not the fastest skater in the NHL, which really helps out, especially on a, on a lot of the speed plays where he gets uh, some speed going through the neutral zone and then can just turn it on defensemen. It's very hard for them to defend against that kind of speed. Yeah, just for reference, Alex Ovechkin has three hard trophies and Sidney Crosby has two. So winning three will put you up there with some of the greatest players in the modern era. Yeah, the only difference is he won't have a, uh, a Stanley Cup because no, he won't. goaltending and goaltending and the you know his team in general. I I did I will say this because I I like taking the few predictions I actually get correct and taking them to the extreme because it's funny the ones I get for some reason are always the upsets. I predicted the the um, Falcons during the wild card a few years uh, ago, right after they lost the Super Bowl. I got uh, the Stars. Uh, beating the Predators, I think that was uh, two years ago. And then it's it's just interesting. I, I called the Blackhawks this year because I just don't trust his team. Uh, a lot of that might have to do with the fact that uh, him and Leon Dreisaitl are the offense. Now, granted, when both your offense, the, the thing carrying your offense are the two potential MVPs, <laughs> there's not as much concern but you do, in fact, need the rest of the team to perform at the same level to succeed. Yeah, you can't just have two guys carry the full team. It doesn't work that way in any sport, really. It, it really it doesn't. For basketball. basketball, you could probably pull it off. But other than yeah. that, I think two guys. Well, especially, you're not even on the on the court, or pardon me, on the ice the whole time. That's true. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. That's right, because of the rotations and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't even make a difference the whole game. You You only have... A portion of it. All right. Well, I think we've gotten thinking of the dream out of the way, but now it's time for your time to shine. Yeah. Your NHL predictions. All right. So, who, what divisions are we covering this time around, McGinnis? So, this time we're doing a new, what will be an Eastern ish division. And I talked a little bit, I alluded to how difficult this division is going to be. Uh, this could potentially be more difficult or as difficult as the Metropolitan Division is. Uh, or was, I guess, since it doesn't really exist anymore. Um, but let me let me kind of give you the teams here. You have potentially the best team in all of the NHL in the Boston Bruins. You have uh, a fantastic team in the Philadelphia Flyers. You have one of the best regular season teams in the Washington Capitals. You have the Pittsburgh Penguins, who although have dropped out uh, early in rounds recently, have consistently had at least decent um, um regular seasons you have the new york rangers who are up and coming the new york islanders who have been a, a pretty fantastic team over the past couple of years until the last stretch this year and then you have the buffalo savers in the in the new jersey devils who both suck so you've got at least two teams in there who aren't really going to be competing for anything yeah and if we're looking at this here you mentioned the penguins early exits and the flyers great regular season team but not, not the flyers sorry the capitals great regular season team but not putting it together in the playoffs, looking at this hypothetical division, are the Boston Bruins like head and shoulders above everyone else? Is there something that could catch them here, or is it just Boston than everyone else? So they they are not head and shoulders. So they're they're maybe a head, but not head and shoulders. So they are probably the best, at least for the regular season, outside of maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning, number one or two team in the NHL. Obviously, you have the perfection line, Pasternak, Marshawn, insane. Then you have potentially, quite possibly, in my opinion, one of the top three, potentially the number one goalie in the NHL in Tuka Rask, who is absolutely insane. You've got a fantastic defense. You're even keeping your old captain in Chara, who's stinking old and still playing, and still doing well, mind you. Not only is he ridiculously old, but he's still good. <laughs> So you've, you've got that offense only issue with this team maybe is they could use a little bit of depth scoring, but they really are a fantastic team. So I put them here at number one. Uh, after that, uh, the reason I put the flyers ahead of the capitals here is you, you got a couple of, of factors to consider one. What is the goaltending here? Is it washed up Henrik Lundqvist? Is this like really what you're going all in on? Because, like, I'm not – like, he could have a resurgent season. Who knows? 
but he's not going to be the same Henrik Lundqvist he was when they were going to Stanley Cups. Or Stanley Cup, but... So you, you've got that. And then... I think, I think you've harped on, on them a little bit, too. I think you've talked about the Capitals yeah. a lot in the past, I'm pretty sure, on this program, saying how you're frustrated with them, how you never believe in them because of what's happened to them in the playoffs all the time. Yeah, and then part of it... Uh, look at the Flyers. So the Flyers are fantastic when they're, at least when I was watching them, they're pretty good at uh, uh, beating uh, heavyweight competition. They beat the Bruins, the Blues, and the Washington Capitals in the same week last year. <laughs> the same week. <laughs> so for me, they've got competition to go up against, but they know how to do it. They've got a fantastic goalie in Carter Hart, and he's young and got a long ways to go. This is a, this is a really nice team. They've got some issues, but they can pull off the number two spot if they get hot at the right times. Yeah, look, I, I'm from New Jersey. We have a lot of Philly fans nearby, and a lot of my friends are Philly fans. And if I we have to decide on what sport they're most excited about, it's hockey right now. It's the NHL. They are most excited to watch the Flyers. Out of all the other teams, the Phillies, the 76ers, the Eagles, they would much rather watch the Flyers because they believe they're going to win a, a title here, a Stanley Cup, in the next two or three years. That's not at all out of the question because you got to remember with the NHL, it's a broader span of teams that could win the the, the Stanley Cup than is the the Super Bowl or especially the NBA's championship. <laughs> so you've got a wider spectrum of teams that can do this. I mean, you went from Blues being last place to Blues winning the Stanley Cup. So I think the Flyers, especially with Carter Hart, are definitely in the band somewhere to be able to have a chance in the next few years. And let's see what else you have there. You have below them the Capitals and the Penguins, two guys, two teams led by obviously Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. Are they a little bit past their primes? I mean, are these teams that are just aging out of their championship window? Washington Capitals, no. Pittsburgh Penguins, maybe. But those two players are still playing fantastically. So for them, I wouldn't say. But the Penguins' door is it's a little concerning. So this is the second or third year in a row they've had some issues in the playoffs i mean you went you lost in the first round to the new york islanders by getting swept mind you and this time you don't even technically make the playoffs because who do you lose to you lose to the canadians who weren't even in a playoff position if the season had gone through and coronavirus hadn't happened granted carry price fair but still you lost to a team that shouldn't even have been in the playoffs so, yeah, they've got Tristan Jari, good goalie. But there's some serious concern here as to what exactly they are at the moment. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think they have had a great run over the past 10 years or so. But at this point, I mean, the Penguins, they, they've been disappointing. And it's like you expect them to win or expect them to win more in the playoffs. And it just doesn't materialize for whatever reason. It's, it feels like Duke basketball, honestly. I'm, I'm going to make a reference to a different sport. But, yeah, there's a little bit of concern there. And you mentioned, I think it was the Rangers, you said, was an up-and-coming team. Yes. You have them at five. Is there a chance they make a jump here and end up, like, at two or three? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. There are too many holes on this team, and the rookie goalies they've got going right now are not good enough to, to do that. Um. But I think within the next couple of years, and this is something me and Mike have been talking about for a while when we've been on NHL shows, is there's a chance over the next few years, now maybe a little later in the timeline than we were talking about, but there's a chance they could at least be a, a mid-tier playoff team, like a, a fourth seed or, or potentially a third seed within the next few years. The unfortunate thing is they play in the Metropolitan. But if truly the Penguins do end up falling off, the Rangers could end up taking that spot in the future. All right, so you have a little hope for the Rangers, but not as much as maybe I thought you were going to when you said they were an up-and-coming team. They're up-and-coming, but not there yet. They're like yeah. when you're you're waiting to see the explosion, but you know it's not quite time yet. So you got them at five. At six, you have the New York Islanders. Do New York teams back-to-back, -back, where do the Islanders sit? I and mean, you haven't six, but is there any chance they go up? Is there a chance to go down? What is yeah. the future looking like for the Islanders? So here's the difference between the Islanders and the Rangers. The spectrum of potential, they've got a high ceiling and a low floor. So I'm putting them at the low floor. A lot of it is because of the competition they're facing. Um, 
and what we saw at the end of last year was really concerning. And also, Varlamov, sure, but you just got rid of your backup goaltender, who is fantastic, and Thomas Grice. Uh, and you still have no offense whatsoever. It's it's non-existent. It's not there. You you need an offense. Fun fact of the day, it's you have to score goals to win games. Yeah, fun fact. Thank you for dropping that in there, McGinnis. I just, and- I just, you know, just in case the New York Islanders forgotten somewhere, you know, you can't have one player carrying the offense, especially when he's not Connor McDavid, and then just pretend like the offense exists over there. And then finally here, down at number eight, you have – well, actually not. I skipped one. You have the Buffalo Sabres. So three New York teams back to back to back. You have them at number seven. Uh, what is – I mean, what's their goals for this year? I mean, there's not much to accomplish here. They were not a playoff team this past season, I believe. So what what do you do here? What are you looking for this season? So they got Taylor Hall, um, and they got Simmons at, at some point. I don't know if they still have him at this point. But you got Taylor Hall. Okay. We like the, the problem with the Sabres is I can't trust them. You've got Jack Eichel, sure, Taylor Hall, sure, but you don't win games. And, and there's a ton of holes on this team, they're just not there. In especially in this division, you have to play the Bruins, the Flyers, the Capitals, the Penguins, uh, both other New York teams, and you're playing all those teams like three to five times a year you're not going to be successful in this division. Uh, you might be slightly more successful in the worst division in the NHL. Yeah, well, you're not in the worst division, especially when you're talking about this one. This could be the – not the air apparent to Metropolitan. We already talked about what the Metropolitan compares better to the, the division we went over the first night we were doing this series. And this one is probably – is it the second best hypothetical division here? Is it the second one, or is it the – I think because the Metropolitan might not exist, and actually the way I'm looking at this, even if the Metropolitan did and you could compare them to previous years to now, I think this division might actually be better because of the Boston Bruins. So that one guy is enough to kind of put it over the top there? Yeah, I mean, it's the Boston Bruins. It's like having a a Tampa Bay Lightning Boston Bruins does not help your your chances in any any division. Despite the fact that Funny enough, last year we were actually talking about the Atlantic, which had both the Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning in it, being weak, because after that, it was nobody. It was like the Maple Leafs, the Florida Panthers, okay, <laughs> like whatever. Well, and speaking of nobody, you have the New Jersey Devils here at number eight. So you've got a lot of – I don't really know if I like this, McGinnis. You've got a lot of Northeastern teams here at the very bottom of the rankings. Maybe your team should be better. This this team Maybe. is – has no goaltending. Uh, they're in one of those situations, kind of like I feel about Detroit a little bit, where it's just like you got to deal with the reality of the situation that this team is not any good and they are not going to be any good. That's just the unfortunate situation that they're in. They're in a rebuild. That's what it is. That's the word I'm looking the Devils, for. The Devils were good in the early 2000s. I know this my dad has framed posters of them because he's a big Devils fan. and He hasn't watched hockey on the walks. They haven't been very good in a little while. But when he does they had have- Martin Broder. When they actually yeah, had ending. <laughs> Broder stayed, stayed for like five years too long in the NHL, man. Broder was like, how old was Broder when he retired? I forget. He was up there. He he, he was he was up there. I will say this, though. Martin Broder, uh, one of top five goalie of all time right there. So you should expect at least something out of your team when you've got that as your goaltender. He was 42 years old. It was 42, age 42 season when he retired. Still not as bad as uh, Gordy Howe, who literally retired in his 50s. That's true. That is, that is the point. I do agree there. And I guess it's about what Tom Brady's doing right now with the Bucks. so maybe it's not the worst thing possible. Yeah, watch. Tom Brady will, will match Gordy Howe and play until he's freaking 50-something. Yeah, Gordy Howe played until he's 51. I could never imagine that. I've, I've always had a... At that point, you must love the game so much or you must have gambled all your money away because otherwise, why would you not retire? He was old enough that I, – I could be wrong, but he was old enough that I think he actually ended up playing with his sons. I mean, that would make sense. LeBron James is what? LeBron's like 35, 36 years old, and his son will be out of high school eventually into the NBA in the next four or five years. He'll be about 40 years old. So if you could get a 40-year-old playing with his son in basketball, you'll probably get a 50-year-old playing with his son in hockey. There you go. 
But is there is there anything else you want to talk about? Any more NHL news? Any schedule updates? Yeah, so now I'm hearing January 13th. I wish they would just like – I know it's difficult, but you kind of wish they'd just like pick a date and then go. Like the NBA's done that. So for me, just pick a date. Just just pick a date. We started yeah. we were January 1st, February 1st, December 1st, January 15th, January 3rd. Just pick a date. Just pick one. Because by next week – I'll have another date for you. It'll be like January 20th now. Like, no, just pick a date. Make it easier on the rest of us in the NHL, please. It's like throwing darts at a board and seeing what sticks. Oh, and by the way, the NBA, you were mentioning them. Their preseason starts, man. I forgot to mention that. Their preseason has started tonight. So they are they are getting ready to roll here. The you're, NHL, NHL needs to pick it up here, McGinnis. Yes, they do. This is one of those few situations like – Normally, I would consider the NHL to be a better run organization than the NFL and the NBA. In this case, this is just not the case. <laughs> the NBA is actually very well run. I know people don't like the NBA because of its politics and stuff. The NBA is actually look inside very well run, surprisingly. Well, there you go. Yeah, I still don't like the the Star League thing, though. That's just not what I'm about. The, the what league thing? Star League thing, where you get like just a few star players, and that's really all you need. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like- that's I kind of like the idea of complete teams and underdogs, but also like decent teams. I, I like the idea of variety, which is why I like parity. So the NBA really isn't as much for me in that sense. No, I, I understand that. That's a, that's a fair point. I'm not going to argue with you on that. And by the way, I'm looking at I'm looking at Gordy Howe. Now you've mesmerized me by this. So he retired, yeah, after the '79 season. So he played the '79 E. That was his final year. One of his sons, Marty, began playing in '73, '74. So he's actually like half a decade in the league together with one of his sons. And the other one was also about starting like 74 or something like that. So it's been half a decade in the NHL with his sons. That's, I can't tell if that's incredible or if that's kind of terrifying. I can't know which one it is. Well, part of it wasn't spent in the, in, in the NHL. It was spent in the other league with uh, maybe the, Oh, I don't remember what other team it was. Maybe the whalers, but he, Oh actually, yeah. I what you're saying the, the WHA. I was the, yeah, whatever that was. I forget the world hockey association. Yeah. When they existed. Yeah. But, yeah, so he actually played in multiple leagues for over half a decade, or half a decade-ish. All right, well, there's your there's your hockey facts of the day. There's your goes, your little stats, your little nuggets of information for the day. Wait, but, hold up. I said that wrong. I said decade. <laughs> he did. But <laughs> hold up. Five years? <laughs> half a decade, close enough. But give or take five years. But, anyways, any other news, or are we wrapping up the show here? I think we can wrap it up. I was for some reason I thought we had another segment after this, but yeah, we're we're done because the NHL is the last today. Yeah, no, we're going on an hour here. We've been going for a while. I'm down to 42 percent battery somehow. I don't know how that keeps happening to me, but this is what I'd happens like when you're running your computer for so long on a live stream. Well, the live streaming does kind of eat your battery really. I don't really have anywhere to plug it in either. But I'd like to remind everyone that it's just time to shine, Sam folks. It's just it's <laughs> time to show the Sam and Sam show. And all the grueling all the grueling truth shows are sponsored by Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com, use promo code TGG20. See, I don't really don't care because there's only two people listening to us live. So I don't really have to care about them hearing this stuff. But use promo code TGG20 and you get free shipping, 20% off your order. It helps out the show, helps the network quite a bit. You can be able to have a sponsor, helps us make helps us stay afloat. We would really appreciate it if you could just go and buy something small, even if something small helps us out as well. And it's the holidays. I'm sure you probably don't want to open a box as Manscaped for Christmas, but who knows? Maybe you do. So if you if that's your kind of thing, or maybe if you want to give us a gag gift, you know, promo code TGG20 and see what happens. But anyways, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Hold up. Today. Hold up. What are you going to say to your friend? Like, dude, you need this? <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of gag gifts you can give against here. It doesn't. It depends on how well you know your friend, I guess. But Dude, that's too much. No homo, dude. It is a little much. It is a little much. You're kind of pushing it there. But you know what? That's why it would be funny. That's true. <laughs> they, also, I, they would have no idea how to react. I can guarantee that. Yeah, what I don't, I don't know if you if you can think of a friend that would do that to you. <laughs> I can't, and I'm glad I can't. <laughs> but, Good for you, Sam Teets. Good for you. We'll wrap the show up here. We appreciate you, you all listening. If you made it this far, thank you very much. We record every Friday at 9:30. I would like to remind Sam McGinnis now that I won't be around at 9:30 next week because I'm graduating from college. So I will. I mean, we'll figure something out. Maybe we we'll go Saturday. I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out from the next show. We'll make sure we get one in at some point. But 
we'll think about that off camera. So, guys, thank you for watching today. We'll be back sometime next week, and we'll let you know when. Thank you for watching. We hope to see you all in the next episode. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.